Reported live in the Phantasmo Lounge, high atop the Heath Barkley Building in beautiful Midtown Portsmouth, Virginia. It's Phantasmo After Dark with your host, Rob Floyd, and co-host, Phyllis Floyd. Tonight's topic, Straight Jacket. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the old podcast here. Hey, Phyllis. Hey, Rob. And tonight, we're going to be talking about William Castle's movie, Straight Jacket. And uh, if you've listened to the podcast before, you probably know we are huge fans of William Castle's movies. Indeed, we are. We just did one recently on William Castle. Yeah, and that will kind of prompt us to do this one, because they're kind of bookend films. Two films that Castle did with Joan Crawford. And William Castle is not really known for having A-listers like Joan Crawford in his films. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from Vincent Price, who could go back and forth between, you know, doing... A movies to B movies to Z movies and come right back and not lose a beat, you know. Well, Vincent Price is never Vincent Price bad is Vincent in Price. anything. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that's all there is to it. It's just he's Vincent Price. Indeed, but anyhow, Joan Crawford. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this was a point in Joan Crawford's career. She's you know older mm-hmm. and her career's kind of waning. So it was, I mean, she was had done a couple of horror pictures like Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, and of course, uh, but this was the first one with Castle, the one we were talking about on the last podcast. I know, I know what, what you, you did. did. Yeah. I saw, was I know what you did in the subtitle. I saw No, I saw what you did. I saw I what you did. You I know who you are. That was it. Yeah, I saw what you did. I know who you are. That was the that was the second one. This was the first one. Right. That they did. So, which we're kind of talking about them backwards, but that's okay. Well, you know, if we talk about them in order of uh how good they are or order of how much I like them, then we've done them correctly. <laughs> Yeah. Not that this is a bad no, film. It's, it's not a I bad film. I just like film. the other one better. And I said that when we did yeah. that one too. But there's there's parts of this one that I'm not saying make it a better film. Okay. But I like better the way they're done. Even though I think I like the other film overall better. Yes. Okay. I like I, I saw what you did. I like overall better. Mm-hmm. But I like a lot of the elements of this film, what they did in this film. For this film, mm-hmm. the biggest problem with this film, I think, is it it's a bit slow. Yeah, in in long stretches, but the parts where it comes together are really good. Yes, I mean, Joe Crawford's great in the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, um, she just it, when we watched the little documentary or whatever after they said uh, if this were for any other any other genre, Joan Crawford would have been nominated for a award, and I agree, she did a phenomenal job oh, yeah. in this yeah she was fantastic and the girl playing her daughter especially at the end she did a wonderful job too yeah yeah, yeah they um, both were amazing to, to really talk about this good we're gonna have to give away the ending which is you know because it's a good little yeah shocker. it is um and that's the thing about this movie the whole time it's going on you really are wondering what's going on and who's doing it i think they do a good job of leading you to believe that it is joan crawford but well, you give, know that it's give, not. You need to kind of give a, a little bit of a plot. Because to be honest, okay. when before we watched this the first time, this wasn't yeah. the first time we watched it recently. But the first time I ever watched this, I honestly had no idea what the plot of this film was. Because the first 10 minutes of it, Joan Crawford's character kills her husband. Well, it's a flashback. And yeah. the mistress in the flashback. Or, or it's... it's they flash forward. Right, whatever. whatever. And then she ends up going to yeah. the well, asylum and blah, yeah, blah, blah. It starts blah. out... 20 years ago. Right. So, let's say. So my point is yeah. that that happens in the first 10 minutes. And then for the next half an hour of the film, I don't really know what the plot is. Honestly. I mean, yes. Huh. She comes back. 
Well, the plot is she's meeting the daughter back to, to regular life with her daughter. That's yeah, it. but I don't know where we're going from there. Well, and, and that's right. They don't tell you yet. That's what I'm saying. That's what's kind of that's that, it. Kind of makes it a little slow, but also that's it, my it point. Keeps, it keeps you guessing and confused, which builds the suspense throughout the film that way. Maybe to some I think degree. It was, it, the i the idea behind it I think is excellent, but it wasn't executed well, very well. That yeah, that's what I'm getting okay. at. The, anyway, so the, I need plot in yeah, order so to the basic, be interested. The basic plot is, like we started to say, Joan Crawford. It starts off with a narration of what happened 20 years ago, and Joan Crawford has gone on a trip or something, and she comes home a day early to catch her husband in bed with another woman, and she loses her you know loses her mind, grabs an axe out of the backyard. Comes back in and it's beautifully done. I think you see oh, yeah. the shadow silhouette on the wall. She chops his head off and it falls off the bed. And that was kind of oh, wasn't expecting that. And, and all of pres- this happens, I might add, yeah. right in front of their yeah. daughter, who yeah. is what, like maybe ten ish, seven, five. eight? No, five or six. No, older than five or six. But anyways, okay, young, seven young eight. daughter yeah. is is watching from the doorway from the other room, and so she's watching her mom chop the head. Off her dad. Yeah, not only did she watch her mom chop the head off, she watched her dad have sex with the chick, yeah, too. She saw, so she she saw the awake, entire episode. And they didn't know she was awake. So she saw the entire thing happen. I think she's doing the narration. Yeah. So then, you know, she goes to an asylum. We flash forward 20 years later. She's being released. She's cured. Is Done her time. Done her time and is healthy now and has come to terms with everything. And she's being released and going back to meet her daughter who's 20 years older she yeah. hasn't seen her daughter has since been raised by her uncle who is uh joan crawford's, joan crawford's brother, brother on their farm and they have pigs and chickens and blah blah stuff blah and yeah so they meet and it's a little tense at first because she doesn't know what to make of her mom and they embrace and then you know they come to i've missed you so much i'm glad you're here blah 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 and then she shows around the farm and you get a couple little moments like oh it's gonna set her off when they sh- they show the chickens. Oh, yeah. And she says, oh, yeah, well, we always slaughter. So let's go talk about this. <laughs> and they go to the pigs and they look at the pigs. Oh, yeah, but we, you know, we slaughter them. For... Okay, let's go look over here. <laughs> yeah. Let's not talk about slaughtering yeah, she anything. she showed her mom around the farm and all. And they go to the guest house, which apparently over the years, the uncle has turned into a studio for the daughter. And she's a sculptress. Sculptress. <laughs> <laughs> and sculpts you know, clay, plaster animals and busts and things like that. And she's apparently pretty good. She's had some people buy her art. They establish all this. Yes. Uh, that she's that good. And then she pulls a, which this is a little bit of suspense here. The way mm-hmm. this is, this is built up this little scene. She said, and I was saving this for you or something like that. And she pulls the, or Joan Crawford slowly pulls the towel off this bust. And I'm thinking watching this, she's going to see a headless, a bodiless head and going to freak out. Yeah. You know? At first I thought it was going to be like a bust of her dad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what I thought. And she was going to freak out. But it's a bust that the daughter sculpted of Joan Crawford, what she remembers her looking like 20 years ago. Right. And of course she breaks and she gets teary and says, oh, it's beautiful. You know, I love you so much. Blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh. So that's one of the, it it builds you up a little suspense and then lets you go, catch your breath. Yeah. You know, and there's some good moments like that. It's just in between those moments, it kind of drags. Yeah. And a, a quick tidbit, that bust was one that oh, um, it was, was yeah, done. It was done for another Joan Crawford movie 20 years before that. Yeah. Something. So yeah. it was an actual bust done of Joan Crawford when she yeah. was much younger. So then the movie 
goes along and you meet the farmhand, played by George Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Most people know from the Naked Gun movies, but he's been in tons of other things <laughs> over the years. And also Academy Award nominee, if not a winner. I can't remember if he's a winner or not. Oh, and I forgot to mention, the guy playing Joan Crawford's husband, brief cameo, if you blink, you'll miss him, is Lee Majors. The Bionic Man. Yes, which and, we think was his first. I, I uh, believe it was his first film role. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of kind of cool, you know. Yeah. But the movie goes on, and the daughter takes Joan out to buy new clothes because she hasn't bought any clothes in twenty years, and gets kind of a makeover, and gets her to buy a wig because her hair's all gray and stuff. So gets her to buy a wig that looks like that her hairdo from twenty years ago. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And a flowery dress similar to what she wore that night. Right. <laughs> you know? And some bracelets that she used to wear, bang, these uh, bangly, spangly, uh, noise-making bracelets. Yep. And she actually has the bracelets. Yeah, and the daughter has the original set. Yeah. So, and the bracelets were a big deal because they make a very distinctive sound. And when she was chopping the heads off, you could hear that. Yeah. The bracelets So it was a big deal. Yeah. There's that one weird scene where the daughter brings the boyfriend home to meet Joan Crawford. And Joan doesn't want to meet him. She's nervous that she's going to, you know, embarrass her and mm-hmm. not ready to meet strangers. But I can't remember why, now at this point, why she flips gears and is all of a sudden really cool and almost like she'd had a couple drinks. She doesn't, they don't touch on it anywhere in the film. But like she, until the moment he walks in, the, the entire time, she doesn't want to meet him. She's really nervous. She She's not ready to meet strangers. She doesn't want to embarrass anybody. She's just not ready. And as soon as he walks in the door, she takes one sip of a drink, scotch yeah. or something. Yeah. And I, I'm not talking like she's been drinking the whole time. One sip of a drink. She turns to him and... Starts to seduce him. Like starts to seduce him, yeah. <laughs> like, it just instantaneously. And it's really, I mean, it... it it's out there. It's she's going for broke. I mean, embarrassingly yeah. so. It was it was crazy, and it doesn't play anywhere else in the movie like that. No, it's bizarre. Matter of fact, that scene could have been taken out. It wouldn't have messed with the movie at all. No, it was it was weird. So after that, the movie plods along a little bit more. Mm-hmm. A doctor. I, don't, I forget why they call. I mean, the there doctor. are other there are other moments in there we're not adding in, but. Y- because we don't want to give the entire movie yeah, away, but there's, but there's a couple. There are scenes in there where there are things that happen, a couple of things that happen, uh, nightmares that occur, yeah. you know, yeah. things that are going things. on that make make Jim Crawford's character believe that she's not quite cured. Yeah, and she's starting to think that maybe there's still something wrong with her. Yeah, and you, as the audience, are watching and, and kind of you're going, thinking it too. You're thinking it too. You you know it's got to be some kind of twist though. It's got to be something going on, but nothing is leading you in that direction of the twist. Yeah. Now, in hindsight, after watching the entire movie and finding out what it is, you can kind of go back and go, well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that was a little clue, but it's not. Nothing blatant. Nothing in your face. Mm-mm. So anyway, the movie goes on and towards the end, the daughter gets Joan to go with her and the aunt and uncle to meet the boyfriend's parents. Yes. Who are rich and have a night and a well-to-do and kind mm-hmm. of snotty. And had a kind of a little dinner party mm-hmm. through a series of conversations. The mother of the boyfriend, who is a complete bitch, yeah. calls Joan out and they have a heated exchange and Joan storms off and starts to walk home. Yes. And they go out and look for her. And of course, they get back to the house before she does. Mm-hmm. And the parents of the boyfriend are waiting up and the mother wants to wait until the, her son gets home because she's worried. And the father's like, oh, he's a grown man. He's a big boy. I'm going to bed. And she says, oh, no, wait with me. He said, okay, well, let me go put on my pajamas. 
And she says, well, okay, well, as long as you come back down. And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he goes up to the bedroom. And that scene with him up in the bedroom. Yeah. There's a lot of suspense built there. There is. Every time he opens a door or, or bends down to pick up, his, put his shoes, you know, move his shoes. or You're just it, waiting for an axe yeah, to fall. It's great. Yeah. I'm literally waiting for an axe to fall. <laughs> um, it's really done well. And like I said, these moments in between these long stretches yeah. are fantastic. Right. If they would have edited down some of those long stretches, it would have been great. Yeah. Anyway, so he goes in the closet and he turns around and he gets an axe in the head. Yep. You don't see that. There's one of the other one, George Kennedy, when he gets it, it's shown on camera. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's a fake head, but it's shown really quick. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, man, they actually showed a head being chopped off. Yeah, this. yeah. Now, this was 1964. I, mean, I don't know if I mentioned that. I saw what you did. I know who you are was 1965, a year after this. Right. So this was 64. So if you take into account what kind of movies were around back then, this was pretty, a little bit graphic. Yeah. Anyway, the the mother comes upstairs to look for the fa- the father. And ends up finding him, or I don't know, does she find him? Well, she stumbles around looking for him yeah. She looks for him, and then she th- does eventually come upon okay, the closet yeah. and find him. Yeah. And then Joan Crawford comes out of the closet with the axe and trying to kill the mother. Mm-hmm. And it's done real fast. And then all of a sudden, Joan Crawford comes in the door from downstairs. Yeah, and you're like, wait, there's confronts- two Joan yeah, Crawford and then characters. You see her- there, and you can see, oh, she's wearing a kind of a rubber mask, uh-huh. which was a very good rubber mask. It was mask. a really good rubber mask. Yeah, but you can see next to Joan. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know. So Joan starts fighting Joan. The mother runs out to get the phone, call the police, and I'm thinking, how about a little help here? <laughs> yeah. Screw you guys. I'm calling the police. Yeah. And uh, Joan gets on top of her on the bed and ends up pulling the rubber mask off, and you see it's the daughter. Yes. And from here on, the daughter gives a Oscar performance, I think. Of her breakdown and losing her shit. Yeah. Know. Joan goes downstairs kind of like just dejected. Just and, in, and just, She's just stunned. Yeah, stunned. And the daughter's coming after and the boyfriend comes in. And the daughter tries to turn it around and say, oh, she's insane. She killed them all, blah, blah, blah. And Joan just like shaking her head like, no. And she shows the boyfriend the rubber mask. And the boyfriend's like, holy crap. Yeah. And Joan walks outside and on the front porch and... The boyfriend closes the door behind her and the daughter comes down and then she just loses her shit right there. And it's really, really good. Yeah. Which should have been the last scene. <laughs> yeah, but go- I kind goes- of agree. But it's too last. It's more after that, though. There but is. It goes from that scene, which should have been the last scene, to Joan, which actually this it was good, though, I thought, to her crying, leaning against the column, crying on the front porch because of what's happened. Which I think was just as good. Yeah, I didn't mind. Oh, I thought you were including that in, in the should have been the last scene. I I don't. Yeah. I liked the part with Joan on the column. Mm-hmm. Um, she did a that really was Joan's good job. demand. That, yeah. Well, and you know I don't blame her. She did a really good job mm-hmm. there. But that should have been it. I think the next yeah. part. But then it has a resolution. Yeah. Which a lot of movies don't. A lot of movies from yeah. then ended right there. Would end right there. But and sometimes you're wondering, well, what did they How do? How did after all this that? happen? So. They give you that in this. They give yeah. a resolution and tell what happened and how. And Joan is packing up the daughter's things, and he, because of all that, she has completely. Well, now, gotten, now gotten you get what forward. what I have in my head termed the Scooby Doo ending. They tell you how she did it all. Yeah, you know. Yeah. In case you were wondering, the only thing I don't know is how she got back from her house back to the parents' house. I don't know that either. She must have taken somebody's car, but I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, so that's the. The long and well, not the long and the short, the long of it, the plot of this movie. <laughs> now, Joan Joan Crawford had a lot of demands. 
Yeah. Well, pretty much everything in this movie was her demand. Yeah. Because William Castle adored her and oh, yeah. said and anything she wanted. And got down on wanted. his knees and said, I, yeah. I got the script for you, you know, to make a movie. And and she liked the script, but wanted it rewritten quite a bit. Yeah. So they changed some things in it. Um, and he gave in to everything she asked for. Because he wanted to make, after seeing, he went to see Baby Jane, I think they said like five or seven times. No, it was like 15 times. 15 times. Yeah. Oh, and decided from that he wanted to make a movie with her. Yeah. And so he did. But the changes were fi- fine. I mean, the movie's pretty good, you know, except uh, except that, like I said, there's long stretches. Yeah. I would be really curious to know what the script was like before she made changes. Well, just, just to see. A little bit of it. Originally, before they got Joan Crawford, it was uh, going to be Joan Blondell. And Joan Blondell is a doll. Yeah. Or was a doll back in the day. And the script had the killer or the murderer in disguise and wearing an inflatable like fat suit to appear different. I don't know why, huh. but that was part of the script. But Joan Blondell, actually, she was actually cast, I guess, by the studio for the film. But before they could ever start shooting, she had had an accident. And I don't know, she went through like a glass door or something. Anyway, she had like to have 60 stitches or something. Oh, wow. And couldn't work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they got what William Castle wanted. They got Joan Crawford. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, she had different demands, like her salary hit was $50,000, and she got a, a percent of the gross, like I don't know how much percent of the gross, mm-hmm. and script approval, mm-hmm. and cast approval. Right. And Castle was like, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, which, you know, is Joan Crawford. Um, one thing, I heard one quote about this. This is another one, one of Castle's films, like we talked about in the previous podcast, that it didn't have any gimmick, really. Mm-hmm. And that was because of her. That was because of her. She thought a gimmick would cheapen the movie and make it seem lower, you know, not lower, more lowbrow, mm-hmm. and she wouldn't be in a movie like that. But this, I heard this one quote from this one film historian. He said, "When you've got Joan Crawford, you don't need a gimmick. She is the gimmick, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of true because they built the movie, built up all the publicity that Joan Crawford was being in this movie." And, you know, she was huge back then. Yeah. So even I, with her I career hear... waning, she was still a huge. Celebrity. How how did this do? When it came out, I didn't hear. Was it um, was it considered a success? It was a success. It wasn't a blockbuster, but it did well enough for them and her to do another one together the following year. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I didn't. I, when I was doing a little research, I didn't read up on that part of it that okay. much. But a little, what little I saw that it did do well enough. They mm-hmm. made their money back and did okay. Hmm. And like I said, well enough to warrant doing another one. Now they might not have had any gimmicks. With this, which with the William Castle movie, that's what you're looking for is the gimmick. That's the fun part of the movie, you know? Yep. Even the movie can be kind of blah, like kind of 13 Ghosts, um, but the gimmick is fun. This one didn't have a gimmick, but it did have, in some of the, in the first release, the first run of it, there were giveaways at the theater, which I would love to find one of these. <laughs> it looks like, I don't know how big it is, maybe it's a foot long, maybe it's eight inches or so, but it was a cardboard paste, you know, a little press board, whatever, cardboard, um, axe mm-hmm. that was given away that would open up and then across the blade of the axe were pictures from the movie oh neat and it had straight jacket and it had blood on the handle oh that's cool um i would i've seen pictures of one but i've never seen one for sale hmm. and i would love to find one to go with mother william castle you know mm-hmm. promo stuff so those are pretty pretty damn rare to find so if anybody there has one and wants to sell it or trade let me know <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you can get in touch with me uh, on Facebook or the Phantasmo After Dark Facebook page or the Phantasmo After Dark email. That's Phantasmo 
ad at gmail.com. All one word, phantasmode at gmail.com. But, you know, the Facebook page is just as good, too. Yep. And, oh, and don't forget to check out there after listening to the podcast or during listening to the podcast. I'll have pictures from the movie on there, maybe the trailer from the movie, anything, and pictures of that damn axe on there. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll tell you one of the things about this movie, though. When I was talking earlier about things I like better about it mm-hmm. than I saw what you did, I know who you are. Or I know what you did, I saw who you are. I saw what you did, I know who you are. <laughs> we keep messing uh, that up. <laughs> the thing about that that bothers me the most is the music. It's a great movie, you know, a lot of suspenseful parts, but a couple of times when it's starting to build a little bit or mm-hmm. starting to get a little intense, they get back to that goofy, you know, teenage girl do 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 music, and it kind of takes you out of the the intensity of it. And they do that a couple of times in that movie when they shouldn't do it. Right. It should be once the plot gets going about okay. It's serious now. That movie, that music should never be used again in that film. Mm-hmm. And they use it at the end, yep. too, which is bad. This movie, on the other hand, mm-hmm. does not do that at all. It has strong, like, I guess, well, they have like an orchestral score at the beginning, right? I think so. And it has a lot of incidental music mm-hmm. throughout the movie that builds the suspense. There was one time. It keeps the mood going. It does, for the most part. Yeah. There was one time when he is in the bedroom, the boyfriend's dad when he's in the bedroom upstairs getting ready to get his pajamas he's like sitting on the bed or something or near the bed i can't remember Uh some of the little tiny bits of music in there Uh were a little tiny bit like that just barely just for Uh, kind of a little wah wah just yeah just (laughs) yeah just a little bit but then it stopped yeah it was very fast well but it was just enough for me to go why? Yeah. But then it, it stops. Yeah, I so. get that. But I think that was too, I think it works in that scene because that scene is constantly building. Every little thing is building the suspense. And that kind of, you go, oh. And then it brings yeah. you right back up again. And maybe again. that's why they did it that I, way. Probably, I think, in that. In the other movie, it's just, yeah, it just kills it. It just doesn't work. No, I totally but you agree get, with you. But you do get back into the swing of it. It's just like, oh, it would have been so much better yeah. without it. Um, but this, If they could have got rid of the music in the other one. Yeah. then it would have been much better. I agree. Yeah, it would have but elevated I still it. enjoyed that movie more than Overall, this one. Overall, I, I Don't get me wrong. I like this one oh, a yeah. lot, but yeah. it's this one's a lot slower yeah. than the other. But if you can get through <laughs> those slow periods. There the, are great the scenes, scenes in yeah. between. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. The acting is, is right on. Yeah, it's a little different William Castle movie from the other stuff. Yeah. You know, because it doesn't have the gimmick. It doesn't rely right. on any gimmick like that for the kind of plot of the movie yeah uh like sardonicus or tingler or, yeah you know, any of those. and there's no there's no real camp factor or anything to this at all there a lot of times people look at like the william castle stuff with gimmicks and they might think it's yeah. campy or cheesy yeah. or whatever there's none of that here this is this no, is this straight is up hit, good film hit psychological yeah, horror yeah, picture yeah right. i do think uh to step back from that a little bit i think it's readily available on dvd and blu-ray on amazon I was looking. I think Blu-ray is under twenty bucks, and the William Castle box set that we typically watch most of our, you know, draw most of ours from, is still available. But I can't remember what the price point is on that. So it could be out of print and cost you a couple bucks, or it could still be in print and is reasonable. If but it, you can get this by itself, right? If you just want you can get the Blu-ray. Yeah, I think yeah. the DVD might be out of print, so that might be hard to get. Mm-hmm. I think, but I think it's on Amazon streaming now. Oh, cool. So you can rent it or buy it on that. But 
just get the William Castle box set. There's so much good stuff on that. And there's still a f- couple of movies on that we haven't even watched yet. Yep. Which more than likely we'll be watching and doing a podcast on. <laughs> we love us some William Castle. Indeed. Now, a little personal note about the music in this. There's some incidental music in this and some incidental music and sound. This <laughs> yeah, weird kind of that weird. That's just sound. That's the real not music. sound. Well, it's in with the music, you know. I can't recreate the sound of the music, you know, just doing because I'm not Michael Winslow. But if you watch the movie and you hear those those kind of droning, deep bass tones and the woo, you know, it's not like the people, you know, make the the, the you know that that's something a lot of horror movies. <laughs> the that particular stuff that's in this first time we watched it, we were watching. All of a sudden, my eyes lit up. I'm like, "Holy crap! That's the background noise in Doctor Mad Blood," and it is. I don't know what it's from. If it's a stock library music or sound that they use, which probably is if it's William Castle, but the old Doctor Mad Blood show, and maybe in some of the the new stuff, I'll have to go back and watch. But this is the stuff that's in the background when it's coming back from commercial and the show's just coming on and. Dr. Manblood's like, oh, hey, gang, thanks for turning us on. You know, it's the, and that's playing behind him, and it slowly fades out as it goes into the show. So I've got to find that music. I need that. <laughs> I need that to play around the house while I'm, you know, cleaning and doing stuff <laughs> just to have going on. I couldn't find a soundtrack for this, which I'm not surprised, being that it's William Castle and low budget. And, uh, you know, it did have it did have some... Like I said, an opening score and a lot of incidental music, but I don't think it was enough to put out a soundtrack. Now, just for the heck of it, Phyllis, of the William Castle movies that you have seen, what's your favorite? Hmm? That's hard. Yeah. I like a lot of them. Okay, let's put it this way. If you if we were going to watch another one right now that you've already seen, what would you want to feel like watching? House on Haunted Hill, 13 Ghosts, Mr. Sardonicus. Hmm. I Saw What You Did. Straight jacket, the tingler. Right this very second. I could probably go for 13 Ghosts again right now. Oh. I like that one a lot. Maybe we'll do that because I haven't seen that in a long time. Probably since the last time we actually showed it. Yeah. At Phantasmo. It was the last time I actually watched it. So that could be kind of fun to watch one night. Yeah. With the ghost viewers. Well, we've got the ghost viewers. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. I mean, we saw Sardonicus last year, right? When we did the festival. Yeah. So. Or it was a year before. Oh, was it a year before? Anyhow, doesn't matter when it was, but yes, maybe 13 Ghosts. I mean, if I had to watch something right now, maybe that one. Yeah. I'm really crossing my fingers and hoping we can do a William Castle at the Narrow sometime. <laughs> yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I wish we could do like a series oh, and do a bunch of them. That would be awesome. Would be fun. Oh, um, the art during the opening credits, right? Was it the opening credits? Yeah. Oh, that's right. I'm yeah. sorry, the opening credits. During the opening credits, there's this art that it keeps switching slide to slide this, this really kind of surreal and macabre looking and it really is reminiscent of the night gallery art except it's all in black and white the night gallery paintings rather and i looked up online i couldn't find anything on this except one guy's blog has pictures of all of these paintings and he's asking if anybody knows who the artist is <laughs> i'm looking at that myself are you okay yes so I will try to put either, if I don't put the all those paintings on the Phantasmo page, I'll put at least a link to this guy's blog that shows them all. Yeah. Well, th- there's somebody here who commented on it. Well, it says it looks like somebody else's art. Yeah. And they said it's a guess, but it looks like 
Bert Schoenberg, who did the family portraits in House of Usher, and he also did a fair amount of uncredited work for the Night Gallery, which would be exactly there what you, you and I said yeah. when we were looking at yeah. it. Said so it looks like Night Gallery stuff. But that really sets up the um the feel of the movie at the beginning, which yeah. kind of loses that feel as the movie goes on. It doesn't stay that creepy feeling. Agree. But I love how it has Joan Crawford's face, and then it dissolves into a, that surreal painting of her face. And then it goes, the credits roll, and it goes into the other paintings. That was done really well. That was one of the best parts of the movie. I agree. Well, whoever did that painting did a really good job. I mean, it it's creepy as hell because it it's, well, it's black and white, but it's it's got her eyes as just black holes, yeah. you know? So anyway, yeah. it's creepy. Well, and the, I can't wait for you to look them. at it. All the rest of the paintings, you know, throughout the credits are really oh, they're all really kind of really feel, cool, that nightmarish yeah. kind of feel to them. Yeah, they're they're pretty awesome. So, so you know, if you're a William Castle fan like we are, or just a casual William Castle fan, <laughs> do yourself a favor and check this out. But make sure you're wide awake uh, when you start to watch it, because after the initial setup and excitement, it drags a little bit to the next island of excitement in the middle of it, and then it drags a little bit to the next one. But those scenes where it does pick up and deliver the goods, it really does deliver the goods. And the end is fantastic. Yeah, indeed. Oh, speaking of the end credits, you remember the little head? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it has the the Columbia logo with the, was it the Statue of Liberty there? Yeah. And holding the torch, but the head is on the ground beside her feet. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty Her head awesome. was chopped off since that yeah. seems to be the theme. That was William Castle's like, hey, yeah, screw you, Joan. I'm going to have a gimmick of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, that was kind of cool. That was kind of a neat little ha-ha at the end. Yes, that was very cool. Talking about this William Castle box set, though, each disc in this has, I think, two movies on it and a bunch of extras. Something, one, a couple of different extras for each movie, at least. Whether it's a little documentary or some footage at the premiere or the trailers. And also comes with Spine Tingler, a documentary DVD on William Castle, which is a must-watch, which I think I need to watch again sometime soon. Other than that, I think that's about it. I can't say much more about this one. How about you? No, I guess that's about it. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, it's well worth a watch. Just like you said, be awake. Yeah. So, yeah, as always, check it out. It's probably one, I mean, you don't hear this in the same breath as House on Haunted Hill and Tingler and... 13 Ghosts and Sardonicus. But you do hear of this one a little more often than you do. I saw what you did. I know you are. So Definitely. But yeah, give it a watch. And, you know, hey, get back with us on the page there and let us know what you think of it. Yes, please. So, Rob. Yes, here we go. How does Lee Majors relate to Planet of the Apes? Okay. This is a little game we play at the end of most episodes where we prove that the world doesn't indeed revolve around Planet of the Apes. We learned this many years ago. That in fact, Clayton and I discovered this. We can connect any actor, any director, anybody back to Planet of the Apes within a few steps, much like this so what, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Except Apes came first. Correct. So, you want to know how Lee Majors connects to Planet of the Apes? Yes, please. Lee Majors was in Will Penny with Charlton Heston. Well, that's just <laughs> way too fast. <laughs> I don't like that. That was too quick. <laughs> Joan Crawford Joan Crawford was in Straight Jacket with Lee Majors well didn't you do <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't count you can't use the movie we just talked about that's the whole point of this I know I know I know 
<laughs> but that's the, I mean, that's the quickest route right there. Well, it is. All right. So, so what? One step? Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it could have been a little longer if, you know, if he had done a fantasy island or something. <laughs> <laughs> Though I do, I do think he did a love boat episode. Majors. <laughs> Everybody did a love boat back then. Right. Um, Anyhow, well, okay, I guess you have once again proven <laughs> the world does indeed revolve around Planet of the Apes. That it does. Good job. Thank you. All right, so I guess that's it, huh? That's it for tonight. Thanks for listening, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night.